On this episode of No Border, No Country, a major border city is on the brink of collapse because of Biden's immigration policies, local officials says. Also, Eric Adams to house New York City migrants inside Brooklyn Cruise Terminal. What could go wrong? Yuma, Arizona is a city of roughly 94,000 people that sits on the U.S.-Mexico border. It's also the site of a major port of entry and a large border patrol facility. A port of entry is a border crossing point where people can lawfully be inspected and admitted to the United States. Uh, because Yuma is located at a border entry facility, uh, it's currently being overwhelmed by people who have, in response to Biden's no border policies, attempted to come to the U.S. to seek asylum. Uh, it's been absolutely overrun with foreign nationals uh, who have been sleeping in the streets, driving up crime levels, and clogging hospitals. Uh, in fact, according to some reports, the migrants have used more than $22 million worth of taxpayer-funded medical services, and local Yuma women have been forced to travel to Phoenix and San Diego to give birth. Local farmers have been forced to hire armed security guards to protect their families and their crops. And in general, the city is falling apart because it's been overrun with more people than the population of the city. There are about 5 million migrants that have entered the United States during the Biden administration, and Yuma is seeing thousands a day. So, Brian, what's going on with this situation, and why isn't the federal government responding to protect the citizens of Yuma? Well, it's really a tragedy, Matt, and Texas gets the bulk of the attention as far as states being adversely affected by this crisis, but Arizona is right there, too. I mean, they have a lot of border territory. By comparison, New Mexico has a little sliver of border. Arizona's got a significant portion, and, and that southern part of Arizona, a, a place where I used to live, which is a beautiful part of the country, is just getting overrun. It's getting destroyed. And... You mentioned the 5 million figure of, uh, number of uh, non-citizens that have come in illegally. I did a little research on this as far as population numbers. And do you know what else has a population of approximately 5 million? <laughs> the country of Ireland, where my ancestors came from. country of Ireland, but more relevant in this case, the populations of the states of Maine, Montana, and Rhode Island combined are approximately 5 million people. Yeah, I used to live in Maine, and Maine is very sparsely populated. Um, I think the entire population of the state of Maine is only just over a million, so you're talking four times that coming into the United States from overseas, uh, from not just from Central American countries, but <coughs> from all manner of places. I mean, they found people on the terrorist watch list who came from Iraq and Afghanistan, so this is craziness. So essentially what Biden has done, he's created virtually three new states. He's added three states worth of population into this country that really has no legal business being here. Yeah, it, it, it's frightening. And the question is, uh, you know, how long can we sustain that? We don't have infinite resources. Uh, what's that going to do to the polity in the country? I mean, yeah. this is a textbook example of how the KGB used to flood countries so that you could get people to vote right. uh, for policies that other countries want and right. take over a country quietly. It's, um, it's a complete abdication of the responsibility to control the border. And as we say around here, no border, no country. Amen. Yeah. 
And you said earlier, how did this happen? One of the big ways it happened, for people who might recall this, in the 2020 election cycle, we don't want to get too much in electoral politics here, but it's, it's very relevant in this case. In the 2020 election cycle, I believe it was in 2019, they had the uh, Democratic primaries, and there was a debate, and Joe Biden participated in it, and he said something really relevant to this. Let, let's listen to that right now. What I would do as president is several more things, because things have changed. I would, in fact, make sure that there is, we immediately surge to the border. All those people are seeking asylum. So he actively encouraged people from other countries to surge the border, his exact words. People down there, you know, we talked about Pelosi last week, how they just viewed them as crop pickers and manual labor, but they're not stupid. They can see what's going on up here. They hear what the leaders or the future leaders of this country are saying and encouraging them to do. They got the signal loud and clear from Joe Biden. If I win, there's going to be little to no penalty for attempting to enter this country illegally, and they took him up on it. In fact, there's a quote in the uh, Fox story that you referenced. Yuma County Supervisor Jonathan Lines told Fox News, and they're coming because they said, they told him, that Biden told them to come and that we have an open border. So there you go. He, he, he created a self-fulfilling prophecy, and it came true. Well, and virtually none of these people are ever going to be able to uh, be removed from the United States, even if they get an order of removal against them. When I was an immigration judge, I ordered hundreds of people removed from the U.S., uh, not because I disliked them. A lot of them were probably very nice people, but they were people who are here in violation of U.S. immigration laws. Fact is, I have no idea how many of those people were actually ever taken off the soil of the United States and returned to the countries where they do have citizenship. Now, you were an immigration judge. You've seen this where the rubber meets the road. There's been talk, I believe Biden talked about adding more immigration judges, about speeding the process. Does any of that have any benefit to the country, or is it just another vehicle for him to import more people for his own political agendas? Well, it would have benefit for the country if the immigration judges hearing the cases or the officials at Citizenship and Immigration Services hearing the cases stuck to the law. But the problem is people are fond of saying we have a broken immigration system. We, we don't. Uh, the immigration system that we have in place actually functions very well. But in order for it to function very well, the people making the decisions have to follow the law. And for whatever reason, people have seemed to have decided that immigration law is somehow different and that it's not necessary for people to follow the immigration laws. I've said this before. I'll say it again. Can you just imagine if the federal government decided that it didn't want to follow the EPA regulations or the endangered species regulations? I mean, if all of a sudden the state of Idaho said, you know, mountain lion is really tasty, so we're just going to ignore all the, uh, the federal regulations regarding the hunting of mountain lions, people would be up in arms. Uh, but for some reason, the other side has people convinced that it's okay to ignore at will the immigration laws. And it's not just the people who want to come here from foreign countries that are ignoring them. It's people with a political axe to grind here who don't like the immigration laws but haven't been successful in having them repealed by Congress who just ignore them at will. I mean, we have all kinds of wacky policies, these two uh, new parole programs uh, for people from Venezuela and people from Ukraine don't have any statutory authorization 
whatsoever. The fact is the Department of Homeland Security just made those up out of whole cloth. One of the benefits of this program, I believe, is to squash a lot of the red herrings and false arguments that the other side will make to pull at your heartstrings and get you to change your mind on these things. One of the things they often do is to say, well, uh, they, they appeal to people's faith. They say, well, uh, a good Christian would, would help his fellow man and things like that. They don't understand the fact that the United States is not just this golden goose that lays infinite golden eggs. There, there are finite numbers of resources in this country. As much as we've been a superpower for a long time, there's a limit. The resources run out if too many people are drawing on them. It's mentioned in this article that migrants that have come to Yuma have used more than $22 million worth of taxpayer-funded medical services, and the local Yuma women have been forced to travel to Phoenix and San Diego to give birth. This is not a case where the United States has infinite resources. There's only so much. At some point, you're going to run out, especially with smaller towns like Yuma. So it, it brings up the point where people say, well, how can you be so cold-hearted? People need things. Yes, they do. But it also brings up the case of everyone who's seen the Titanic movie when they were in the lifeboats and there were people thrashing around in the cold water and some of the people on the boat said to the guy from the White Star Line, why don't we go over there and rescue them? And the guy said, if we go over there, they're all going to storm the boat and we're all going to drown. It's a similar thing here, right? Yeah, it's called Lifeboat Ethics. A guy named Garrett Hardin wrote a book about it. Uh, it's also a biblical doctrine called Severe Mercy. And basically what it comes down to is in order to be able to help other people, you have to leave something for yourself so that you can continue to generate resources to give out charity. And what's going on here is there's this crazy presumption that the U.S. can take everyone that wants to come here and have enough food, water, uh, and other resources to be able to take care of these folks. Um, you know, that's a problem because it, it's just not possible. That's not going to happen. We're not going to be able to do that. But over and above that, it, it also raises another interesting question. Don't these folks have a responsibility to fix some of the problems in their own countries? Because they're all leaving and coming here. Nothing is ever going to get better in any of these countries that they're supposedly fleeing because of oppression and persecution. Right. That, that brings up what, what they call brain drain. The best and the brightest of a country are leaving. That country is essentially doomed to no future because all the highly productive, smart people are fleeing. All that's left are people that the dictators and the cartels can easily manipulate. Well, and it does a couple of other things, too. I mean, one, it acts as a pressure valve for all these places right. that, are, that are having problems with the, uh, the cartels and dictators and things of that nature because the people who come here tend to be young men. Uh, you know, between 14 and 40 and their spouses and families. Well, those are the people that are most likely to generate change in any society. The other thing it does is it distracts us because this is something that doesn't just hang out on the border. It becomes a nationwide thing. And the courts in the United States for the last 20 years have been tied up with a, a, just an astounding number of immigration cases 
where before there hadn't been as much immigration litigation. And so every time a judge is sitting who's not an immigration judge, because the immigration court is focused on this, but any time a regular district court judge, or for that matter, a state court judge who's dealing with some kind of uh, you know, subsidiary issue about housing or evictions or crimes or anything that's connected with this, they're not hearing other cases. And so, you know, for federal district court judges, there's civil and criminal and all kinds of other matters that aren't being heard, that are being delayed, because we're arguing about whether foreigners with no connection to this country should be allowed to stay here. And another aspect of this, uh, in the next segment, we're going to talk about Eric Adams in New York City. He is making all this noise about how he needs a federal bailout. He wants a check from the government in the neighborhood of a billion, two billion dollars he's going to want. I mean, name your price. Well, and he's asked for another billion for the state. Right. So where's Yuma's check? Does Yuma get a check? I suspect they're not going to get one. No, they, they're, they're definitely not. And Yuma has been overrun. I mean, it's a city, as I mentioned, of 94,000 people. It's had about 500,000 foreigners come through it on the way to somewhere else. And it's had to worry about when they first arrive. How do they eat? Where do they sleep? Uh, do they have enough clothes? Do they require medical attention? And, and these are things where, uh, you know, even if you want to be charitable and kind, why is this the problem of the citizens of Yuma? This should be the problem of the governments of the countries where these folks are hailing from. And to tell you the God's honest truth, most of them don't have a legitimate asylum claim. They're coming here because Joe Biden ran off at the mouth about how he was going to ignore U.S. immigration law and let them all stay. And that appears to be exactly what he's doing. Yes. And, and it's the old politicians dodge. They're very generous with your money. Is Joe Biden dipping into his personal bank accounts for all this largesse? No. He's no, getting it from all. you and me and all the other taxpayers. And, and the, his sycophants in the media will say, well, he's compassionate. Look at him. Yeah, because it's our money he's being compassionate with. Right. Joe's vet is still in the garage full of <laughs> classified documents. And, uh, you know, God only knows where Hunter's car is and who's in the back seat of it. But in any case. Anyway. Uh, we'll come back and we're going to talk a little more about Eric Adams and what's going on up there. Total crisis in New York City. Yeah, we'll be right back. I'm Tom Holman. The Biden administration is reversing America's progress on immigration, reversing ICE's ability to deport criminal illegal aliens, reversing job protections for Americans, and construction of the wall. That's why I've joined early. The Immigration Reform Law Institute early uses the courts to stop bad immigration policies. Join me. Support early at early.org. Help win the immigration fight in the courtroom. Paid for by the Immigration Reform Law Institute. Hey, Matt, you know what city doesn't get enough publicity in the news, doesn't make enough news? No, Brian, what would that be? New York City. They're in the news again. Can you believe it? I can't, Brian. That's shocking. Absolutely shocking. New York can't stop tripping over itself with this, this immigration thing, with the, with the buses coming from Texas and everything. Eric Adams has bungled this to, I mean, it should be studied in public relations classes on how not to handle a crisis because he's just, he, he keeps stepping on rakes every, everywhere he turns here. So here's the latest story. This is from the New York Post. New York cruise ship terminal. The city has announced that it plans to turn its Red Hook Brooklyn cruise ship terminal into a dormitory for single male migrants. They've already used all the, well not all the, they're using luxury hotels now to house some of this overflow. Now they're going to use a cruise ship terminal. Where are the people who are paying thousands of dollars to go on a cruise ship 
going to go to get on their boat at this point? That's a good question. I mean, th this is utterly mind-boggling because the migrants that they have put into the row and the steward, two of the major luxury hotels, have trashed their hotel rooms, they've been getting drunk, they've been copulating the stairwells, uh, they've been hoarding clothes and food, and, and they've been doing something a lot of people didn't know uh, that the migrants in the Remain in Mexico policy back in the Trump era did. They've been given free food and they said, oh no, we don't want to eat that. And so these fine guests of these hotels have dumped the food they don't want to eat in the hallways and left it to rot. Uh, it, it's insanity. And this is 36,000 migrants. So this is like less than one half of 1% of the ones that have shown up in Yuma. And yet Eric Adams is having a fit. And, and what's even more galling about the whole thing is that New York is a sanctuary city, so Adams invited all of these people. He asked them to come here because migrants are so wonderful, they're so entrepreneurial, they're so likely to become valedictorians and, and the next Elon Musk, uh, that New York just had to have them. And now that they've arrived, a mere 36,000 of them, which by the way is, is about the population of one city block in lower Manhattan, uh, New York doesn't know what to do with them. and Eric Adams needs three or four billion dollars in order to be able to build shelters for them. This, this is reminiscent to me of some of these congressional hearings where a, a, a department of the federal government, the, the head of it screws up royally. They just, they just mismanage the, the heck out of it. And they get dragged before Congress and they yell at them, the congressmen yell at them and they say, You've, what are you going to do about this? And they say, well, if we had a little more budget to work with, we could fix the problem. And then they allocate them billions more of dollars. So the people that screwed up and caused the problem get more money as a de facto reward for their incompetence. Eric Adams, as you said, virtue signals to the heavens. We're a sanctuary city. Immigrants are our strength. Well, if they're your strength then you should be stronger at this point. You shouldn't be on your knees with a cup in your hand begging the government for $3 billion. It, well, exactly. And if these immigrants are so uh, entrepreneurial and so fantastic, how come they're not able to haul themselves up by their bootstraps when they get here? I mean, Joe Biden has let these folks in. Most of them are going to wind up with work authorization. They've got their hands out, and they would rather uh, fool around in hotel hallways uh, than do something constructive with their time. The other thing that's just you know, frustrating beyond belief about this is if you or I wound up homeless in New York City and we had to, to rely on the New York City government for assistance, we would wind up in a YMCA or, or someplace similar. You know, and with all due deference to village people, if the YMCA is good enough for a U.S. citizen, then it ought to be good enough for these individuals who have recently shown up in New York. I mean, I have no idea why, if you're a serious politician uh, that is interested in preserving money and that wants to make sure that you're doing the right thing, which he claims this is, for the largest number of people, you would be leasing luxury hotels. Because if the luxury hotels are willing to do this and they're not losing money, this isn't political blackmail, then the New York economy is in a downward spiral and the hotels aren't able to fill the beds and employ the number of people that they would normally employ. That's the only reason they would be doing this. If that's the case, New York doesn't need more migrants. Uh, if this is something else, then the hotels are doing this because they're making a profit. 
even if they have to, you know, repaint and clean the carpets and repaper the walls because of the migrants trashing the hotels. So it, it, it's the whole thing is just bizarre. It doesn't make any sense. And you would think that a city with a police department that has about 50 or 60,000 people on it would easily be able to react to something like this and accommodate these individuals. So it, it seems to me that Adams is just trying to make political hay out of this. And, you know, he hasn't mentioned the fact that this is his own party's president that's created the whole entire crisis by inviting all of these people here in the first place. He's busy blaming on Greg Abbott and, uh, and on DeSantis in Florida. So, Remember the immortal words of Rahm Emanuel, never let a crisis go to waste. Exactly. Isn't that exactly what's going on here? It is. It is indeed. Yeah. And that's it for this episode of No Border, No Country. And don't forget to hit the like button, subscribe to our channel, and share the show with your friends. Uh, for more on the Immigration Reform Law Institute, visit IRLI, that's early.org, as well as our social media channels at Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and others. We'll see you next time on No Border, No Country.